Appamada's programmes and facilities are supported through your generosity. Your support really does make a huge difference. You'll find a link for contributions on the website at appamada.org forward slash contribute. Thank you so much. So, welcome everyone. Welcome to the celebration of Buddha's enlightenment. We have gathered together today on this joyous occasion to celebrate the Buddha's enlightenment and to express our immense gratitude to the Buddha's to, to Shakyamuni Buddha for sharing his teachings with the world so that all sentient beings may also become enlightened and end the suffering in our lives. What greater gift can a teacher offer his students? We've been, we have spent the last four days working with his basic teachings of the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path um, of, to, uh, to liberation. And it makes it all the more joyous that we do this celebration afterwards. We know what these, how important these teachings are and how how much they can offer to us to improve our lives and to uh, rid ourselves of suffering. So I'd like to um, spend a little time talking about Buddha's life story. I think it's important to point out that <clears throat> um, we don't venerate the Buddha in the sense of like a, a god or something like that. He was a teacher. And so it's his the person isn't so much so as important as, as isn't as important as the teachings themselves. That's a really important point for for Buddhists uh, to realize. It's not the people. It's not the teachers. It is the teachings themselves that are the greatest gift to us. And with that, so saying that, <clears throat> um, I'd like to talk about. Siddhartha Gautama. So he was born in Kapilavatu, Saka, the northernmost republic of what is now Nepal. This was during the sixth century before Common Era. Some say, or use the date, um, 582 before Common Era. At the time of Siddhartha's birth, uh, a Brahmin seer foretold the coming enlightenment of this prince. He was the son of King Suddhodana, a member of the Sangha, the regular assembly of aristocrats who governed the Sakyan, craftsmen, clansmen, and their families. Prince Siddhartha lived within the walls of three different castles. He was never allowed to go outside the castle. He was very protected and yet was given whatever he desired. It's, it's thought his uh, father, the king, did not want him to become a spiritual leader, but hoped that he would follow in his footsteps and rule just like he had. But Siddhartha grew uh, curious about the outside world, the world outside the castle walls, 
and asked one of his attendants to take him outside the gate. Increasingly, he felt domesticity was too constricting. He snuck out of the castle. The first thing he saw was an aged person. And he said, when an untaught, ordinary mind who is subjected to aging, not safe from aging, he is shocked, humiliated, and disgusted, for he forgets that he himself is no exception, that he too will age. But I, as I am subject to aging, not safe from aging, and so it cannot benefit me to be shocked, humiliated, and disgusted on seeing another who is aged. When I considered this, the vanity of youth entirely left me. This is the words of Lewis. The second time he left the castle, <clears throat> the same thing happened, uh, not with an aged person, but with a sick person. And again, he was shocked, for he'd never seen a sick person. So in this, the same thing happened. The vanity of health left him. When an untaught, ordinary mind who is subject to sickness, not safe from sickness, he is shocked, humiliated, and disgusted, for he forgets that he himself will be sick. But I am a subject to sickness. I am subject to sickness, not safe from sickness. And so it cannot benefit me to be shocked, humiliated, and disgusted on seeing another who is ill. When I considered this, the vanity of health entirely left me. The third time he left the castle, he was witness of the death of someone who had died. And again, he says, when an untaught ordinary man who is subject to death, not safe from death, he is shocked, humiliated, and disgusted, for he forgets that he himself is no exception. But I, too, am subject to death, not safe from death. And so it cannot benefit me to be shocked, humiliated, and disgusted on seeing another who has died. When I considered this, the vanity of life entirely left me. From this point, the Buddha decides he realizes that everyone, all of his family, all the people he knows, are subject to these three conditions. And so he couldn't, the suffering was too much for him. It was such a, such a shock, actually. So he decided to go forth into homelessness, to follow the spiritual life, to become a monk. He renounced the sense pleasures and decided to seek sublime peace. So he left and he found lots of people in the, in the forest going forth. He discovered a teacher, Alana Kalama, and decided to stay with him to learn the technique, meditation techniques, so that he could learn more and eventually find the end, discover the end to suffering. He told Allah, Alana Kalama he wanted to live the holy life in this dharma and discipline. It wasn't long before he knew everything the teacher knew. He was a fast learner. The base <coughs> of his teachings was nothingness, 
and he soon realized that it did not lead to dispassion, to fading away of lust, to cessation, to peace, to direct knowledge, to enlightenment, to nirvana, but only to the base consisting of nothingness. So he left this teacher and sought another, whose name was Udaka Ramabhuta. And he was teaching uh, the same <coughs> techniques as the previous teacher, plus higher attainment of base, consisting of neither perception nor non-perception. Again, Siddhartha had the same experience of only teaching, of only reaching neither perception nor non-perception, without reaching dispassion or sublime peace. So, again, he left and began wandering through Magadan country and arrived at Sena Nigama near Uruvela. At last, he found a suitable plot of ground and a delightful grove with a clear flowing river and smooth banks. Also, there was a nearby village at an alms resort. There, fear and dread arose, or arise, it was arising in those who are unpurified in bodily, verbal, or mental conduct or livelihood, and those who have an uncalm mind. But Siddhartha felt free of these things. He was in constant anticipation uh, of fear and dread with the movement of branches and sounds of animals. He asked, why do I dwell with this fear? Why not subdue the fear and dread while maintaining this posture? He maintained his sitting posture without walking, standing, or lying down till he subdued the dread, the dread and fear. Tireless energy was aroused in me an unremitting mindfulness established. But I was exhausted by painful effort. But such painful feeling as arose in me gained no power over my mind. Siddhartha refused to eat, as he vowed to be completely fasting and reach extreme emancipation. But by this grueling penance, I have attained no distinction higher than the human state worthy of the noble one's knowledge and vision, might there be another way to enlightenment? Then he remembered a time when he was a young child and had been left in the shade of a rose apple tree during the ceremonial plowing, first plowing of the year. And he saw, while he was watching the festivities, he saw how these green shoots of grass were being killed as they were being plowed up, and also the insects that were in the soil were suddenly being killed. Siddhartha felt a strange sorrow, like his own relatives had died, and he felt great compassion for the grass and these insects. And then, the next moment, he was aware of the beautiful day and the joy that rose up in, bidden, in unbidden in his heart, which revealed how experiences, experience changes when we become self-conscious, when we went from compassion to joy. When we bring self in, joy cannot last. 
This is a moment of ecstasy when rapture takes us outside the body and beyond the prison of egoism and compassion. The child had a spontaneous moment of compassion which allowed the pain of the creatures that had nothing to do with him personally pierce him to the heart. A surge of selfless empathy brought a moment of spiritual release. Recognition that this was the way to enlightenment. Near death, he, he received uh, rice milk pudding from a farmer's wife, Sukheta. Um, and this ended his six years of asceticism. Once the Buddha had eaten and was feeling stronger, he entered into a series of meditations, ending with mindfulness and equanimity. Then he turned to the knowledge of recollection of his past lives. So he started, this was the start of his three stages of enlightenment. During the first watch of the night, the Buddha discovered all his past lives in the cycle of rebirth. Realizing that he had been born and reborn countless times before. Ignorance was banished, light arose, but with no gain over his mind. During the second watch, the Buddha discovered the law of karma. Human beings pass according to their actions in body, speech, and mind. And dependent origination arose. Dependent origination and the importance of living by the Eightfold Path. During the third watch, the Buddha discovered the Four Noble Truths, finally reaching Nirvana. All traditions agree that in the third watch of that night, Siddhartha finally found the answers he sought and became enlightened and experienced Nirvana. Having done so, Siddhartha now became a Buddha or the Awakened One. So let's turn to page 41, the Song of Zazen. Song of Zazen. From the beginning, all beings are Buddha, like water and ice. Without water, no ice. Outside us, no Buddhas. How near the truth, yet how far we seek. Like one in water, crying, I thirst. Like the son of a rich man wandering poor on this earth, we endlessly circle the six worlds. The cause of our sorrow is ego delusion. From dark path to dark path, we've wandered in darkness. How can we be free from the wheel of samsara? The gateway to freedom is zazen samadhi. Beyond exaltation, beyond all our praises, the pure Mahayana, observing the precepts, repentance and giving, the countless good deeds and the way of right living, all come from Zazen. Thus one true Samadhi extinguishes evils, it purifies karma, dissolving obstructions. Then there are the dark paths to lead us astray, the pure lotus land is not far away. Hearing this truth, heart humble and grateful, 
to praise and embrace it, to practice its wisdom, brings unending blessings, brings mountains of merit. And if we turn inward and prove our true nature, that our true self is no self, our own self is no self, we go beyond ego and past clever words. Then the gate to the oneness of cause and effect is thrown open. Not two and not three. Straight ahead runs the way. Our form now being no form. In going and returning, we never leave home. Our thought now being no thought. Our dancing and songs are the voice of the Dharma. How vast is the heaven of boundless samadhi. How bright and transparent the moonlight of wisdom. What is there outside us? What is there we lack? Nirvana is openly shown to our eyes. This earth where we stand is the pure lotus land. And this very body, the body of Buddha. So I'd like to uh, say a few words about chanting Japanese, the Heart Sutra in Japanese, um, which is on page 47. Uh, I just want to say that uh, we, as we all know, we don't normally chant in Japanese. So when we try to chant, much less circumambulate and so forth, um, it can kind of get off. We've kind of had this experience <laughs> before. Um, so we're just going to do the best we can anyway right now to to go with the uh, fish drum that Kim is going to be playing, the Mikuchio. And um, just by following the beat of the drum with each syllable from the chant. If nothing else, our spirit and gratitude is real, even if the sound may be slightly off. It might even be humorous. Um, so we'll not be circum uh, circumambulating while chanting this Heart Sutra will do that in English in just a minute. So, Maka Hanya Paramita Shingo. Maka Hanya Paramita Shingo. Shiki, shiki, 
Sutra on the Heart of Realizing Wisdom Beyond Wisdom. Avalokiteshvara, the call to awaken, moves in a deep course of realizing wisdom beyond wisdom. Sees that all five streams of body, heart, and mind are without boundary, and frees all from anguish. Avalokiteshvara, who listens to the teachings of the Buddha. Form is not separate from boundlessness. Boundlessness is not separate from form. Form is boundlessness. Boundlessness is form. Feelings, perceptions, inclinations, and discernment are also like this. Oshar-putra, boundlessness is the nature of all things. It neither arises nor perishes, neither stains nor purifies neither increases nor decreases. Boundlessness is not limited by form, nor by feelings, perceptions, inclinations, or discernment. It is free of the eyes, ears, nose, tongue, body, and mind. Free of sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, and any object of mind. Free of sensory realms, including the realm of the mind. It is free of ignorance and the end of ignorance. Boundlessness is free of old age and death, and free of the end of old age and death. It is free of suffering, arising, cessation, and path, and free of wisdom and attainment. Being free of attainment, those who help all to awaken, abide in the realization of wisdom beyond wisdom, and live with an unhindered mind. Without hindrance, the mind has no fear. Free from confusion, those who lead all to liberation embody profound serenity. All those in the past, present, and future who realize wisdom beyond wisdom manifest unsurpassable and thorough awakening. Know that realizing wisdom beyond wisdom is no other than this wondrous mantra, luminous, unequaled, and supreme. It relieves all suffering. It is genuine, not illusory. So set forth this mantra of realizing wisdom beyond wisdom. Set forth this mantra that says, Gate, Gate, Paragate, Parasangate, Bodhi Svaha. Upon seeing the morning star, the world honored one awakening together with all beings. This morning we have observed silence, offered incense, heard the Buddha's story of the Buddha's enlightenment, and chanted Hakim's song of Zazen, realizing there is nothing apart from enlightenment. We practice and awaken together with all beings, and we offer the merit of this practice for their welfare and the relief of suffering. May we and the entire world realize wisdom and Passion of the Buddha way together.
Thank you for your participation today. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.